I've probably told this story, but one of my absolute favorite moments covering high school football, I'm covering like a, a very random like Saturday day game. And this tiny little school that now no longer fields a football team. I don't even think they're open anymore. This tiny little school is out there playing some other small school. And we're talking to the coach of this tiny little school. And he's got like no players. He, you know, he's got 15 guys dressed, maybe 17. And uh, he, he's looking at this uh, sophomore quarterback who's like five foot seven, 125 pounds. Like that's who he's starting at quarterback. And, you know, I'm kind of looking at the situation like, how do you how do you get this job, coach? And he's like, well, first day of practice, we had him doing uh, kickoff coverage drills and he ran downfield faster than anyone I've ever seen run downfield. And he hit <laughs> he hit the guy returning the ball harder than I've ever seen another human being hit another human being. And then he got back up and wanted to do it again. And I was like, this guy is my quarterback. Like, I really appreciated that sort of thing of like, well, this kid's more insane than uh, than I anticipated. So he's the quarterback. I'm, ass I'm assuming some of this, uh, some of this pre-reel goes into the podcast. It's, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's a morning edition of this show. Best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike having coffee over here in Chicago. That's Matt. He's having coffee over there in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we got to talk about Buffalo versus Green Bay and a few other things on this show today. Show today. Uh, Packers drop another one. They're now three and five losers of their last four straight. And this one to the Buffalo Bills at home. Buffalo's still looking like the absolute best team in the AFC. They win 27-17. Just off the top, Matt, this was not a this was not a embarrassing showing by Green Bay. They take the loss. Most people expected them to. I did not expect them to win. Buffalo with a big 17-point second quarter is is able to uh to pull away and to take a big lead into halftime, but Green Bay had a little bit of something going in this game. Not it's not all bad. I'm curious on your thoughts. Yeah, I I thought this was probably the best game the Packers played this year offensively. Well, that's um, not saying a whole lot, but yes. Not not saying much. Um, but you know, you look at it, Bills take a big lead in, lead into halftime, and I'm 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 sure that influences how they play the rest of the way. Uh, you know, up 24-7 against a team that can't score points. But the Packers win the second half. Packers score 10, Bills score three. It, that's you take that against anybody, no matter what the score is, especially when you're not very yeah, you know, playing very well. Um we saw the the Packers hand the ball off. Aaron Jones a lot. He got 20 carries, 143 yards. A.J. Dillon broke off his longest run of the year. Um, you know, run defense. Bills are supposed to be a really good run defense, um, and the Packers attacked it. And, yeah, it was good to see. Even Aaron Rodgers got in on the action. He had a he had a scramble, one of his first of the year. Um, some bright spots with the receivers. Romeo Dobbs had a great catch. Samari Toure had a great catch. Um, Tanya got involved. Everybody's kind of involved. They said afterwards, you know, Christian Watson got uh had a concussion on kind of a a little little screen type thing. Uh and they said after the game that like he was a big part of their plan. So they had a bunch of stuff going his way. And him leaving on just the sixth snap of the game, that really that really throws your whole game plan off. So it, it's 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 tough. It's tough to lose always, but 
I I thought they played pretty well. And this is one you're expecting to lose pretty much no matter what. So, yeah, I want to go back to the the very beginning of this game and talk about one thing that I I noticed and and was sort of shouting about all through the 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 rest of this game. It's about uh, situational management. Packers force a three and out on Buffalo's first possession of the game, and then Green Bay on uh, go goes nine plays, 34 yards, turns the ball over on downs. Basically, they're facing a fourth and three at the Buffalo 38-yard line. You're outside in Buffalo at night. That's too long of a field goal for Crosby to attempt on a scoreless game. I, I hated going for it at that point because what like it's it's the question that the rhetorical question that you know I, I ask a lot about when I see game management stuff, which is like, what's the score, coach? Scores nothing, nothing. And of course, Buffalo takes the short field, goes eight plays, 61, scores a touchdown. Packers have a good punter. Now that's that's a pretty good Pat O'Donnell situation. Like try to make him go 90 plus in that situation right there. It's a small thing, but for me, that was that was Green Bay acting like they were playing from behind when it was tied. Pat O'Donnell's been really good at pinning teams in their own 20, in their own 10. So I I I agree with you. I, I think you're right. It, that kind of stinks of we've got to get ahead and give us some cushion. Um, and you just can't you can't play like that. If if you know if that's a ninety yard drive, do they score? Maybe. maybe yeah, maybe. Uh, they're pretty fucking but, good. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty good. Uh, they probably would have scored anyways on another drive, which they did two more times in a row after that three more times in a row with the field goal. So it, it, it did feel like the Packers immediately going like, well, we have to score. This is my, this might be as good of a chance as we can get. So we got to go. Um, I remember not loving the, the play call either. I, I just, at this point, they hadn't really run the ball much. Jones had run the ball one time, but it just feels like you've got a fourth and two, fourth and one, fourth and three. Just give the ball to AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones and let's see what happens. This this team's been so bad on fourth downs. And I think the majority of it comes from so much, you know, slant flat stuff to rookie receivers who aren't there yet. You know, Sammy Watkins messes up last week. It's 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 a not very good receiving core, and I I like the idea of put the ball in your MVP quarterback's hands, but right now with how he's playing and how this receiving core had been playing, they, they broke out a little bit in this game, but with how they've been playing up to this point, just take it out of their hands, find a way to get the ball into your best player's hands. Yeah. Those little rub screens that you could pretty much guarantee Devonte Adams on fourth and three was going to get the ball on some little rub or bu- bubble screen that just either cuts inside or outside from wherever he's lined up. And those worked pretty effectively for a long time, but they, yeah, there's there. The Rogers timing problem got a little bit better going sideline to sideline, but not too much in this game. The other thing that the other thing that I wanted to talk about, yeah, was, was in the wide receiver core was just how good Robio Dobbs looks occasionally as a rookie and yeah i hear the i hear the national guys talk about the comparisons that are that are floating around to him and Devonte adams as far as 
uh, you know, what what some of their what some of their innate abilities to catch the ball and to make athletic plays and have balance and timing line up as and you know it's it's really encouraging because I see it as well like that catch in the end zone was ridiculous like Romeo Dobbs when he is in the moment in the flow of the game uh, can come up with some really really good stuff but you know and you're in Green Bay so you have to climb the does Aaron Rodgers like you hill before he starts throwing you the ball when you have you know, contested one-on-one situation. Uh, yeah, he looked that that catch in the end zone is great. He had a great like back shoulder uh, catch along the sidelines later in the game. Um, really, really, R- Romeo Dobbs looked great today. Samari Toure got some run and ran a nice route there uh, at the end for the touchdown. The last time the Packers would score, uh, and yeah, Dobbs. Dobbs is quick. He's got good releases. He's open all the time. It's kind of the, the th- he's not getting locked up in man. It's his issue has been like understanding when to break from the like routes on the play call sheet and when to adjust for coverage. Uh, and that's just a rookie thing that that's, that's every rookie in the NFL. If there's a rookie who's adjusting stuff like that on the fly against coverage with a, uh, sixth sense for if Rodgers is being pressured behind him with his back facing to the line of scrimmage. That's just a superstar already. It, it took Devontae Adams years to get to that point. Um, so I, I you can't expect Romeo Dobbs to be there now, but the hands have, have been inconsistent, but they've seemingly always come up in the most insane moments. He's dropped kind of the the easier end of things, but his held on to the tougher ones uh and his rouser looked good yeah I re- that i remember seeing that same problem with adams is some of the easy plays adams would make the easy plays look impossible yeah. in his first two years in the league but then he would also make the the hard plays look simple so yeah there's i i hope that the packers are patient with with dobbs and particularly with watson with watson it's just a matter of this guy has to play I, you know 50 snaps in the NFL at some point before you can you can judge what kind of a guy he might even possibly be so hopefully he's going to be able to get healthy and we'll be able to see him but yeah I don't have I don't have a ton more on this game Matt it's another game where uh the Bills are terrifying their offense is is magical and the Packers held them to 27 yeah, I, the, the offense was able to save the defense a little bit, give the defense some chances to to win possessions. Uh, you know, they took the ball away from Buffalo a couple of times on interceptions. Like things, things continue to go pretty good on the defense. And if you're looking at like, yeah, the Buffalo Bills scoring 27, like you have to be feeling feeling like next week against another offense that likes to score points in Detroit, you at least are giving yourself a chance, a chance to win by being pretty tough against teams that score points. And also, you know, facing Detroit next on coming up on Sunday, a you're facing a defense that instead of the Buffalo defense, which is pretty passably good, the Detroit defense is absolute garbage. Yeah. The Detroit defense, uh, if I remember right, like it's, it's by DVOA, they're, they're ranked 32nd in the league. Um, the difference between them and 31 is the difference between 31 and like 17, 18. Um, so it's a, it's a defense that is miles worse than any other defense in the NFL. They're, they're dreadful. 
but that offense can put up points. Yeah. And, and, and quite frankly, I think the, you know, the Bills offense is terrific, but the Bills strengths are suited to the Packers defense strengths, right? They're, they don't run very much. They ran a, a good amount in this game and did a good job on it. They haven't been successful running the ball yet this year outside of this game. Uh, the Bills strengths are passing. Uh, the Lions strengths are not passing. Jared Goff's their quarterback. He's been a decent game manager. Um, he spread the ball around all right, but that's their secondary thing. Their first thing is we run the ball with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Uh, and they've been very good at that. And they've used that as kind of their centerpiece to put up a ton of points this year. Uh, and so in a weird roundabout way, I think the Detroit offense scares me a little bit. Not more than the Bills, but scares me in a different way. Uh, you know, like I, I, I'm not worried about Jared Goff going super human and, and making some incredible throws and making a play you've never seen before, like Josh Allen. But I am worried about the, the, the Lions' ability to just kind of grind away and keep the defense on the field for a long time. Yeah, and, the Lions have the ability to cr- control tempo in, yeah. in this matchup. And if you, they're playing with any kind of a lead, really one score in either direction, if they're playing – if they're playing in that kind of a game, then I don't think that they're, they won't take it there. They've seen enough of Jared Goff to know that they can't put the game in his hands, even if they're down by seven. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to, they're going to keep it up. I, I trust them to come out with a, with a, a game plan designed to test green Bay. It's, it's another game that you, know, you can't be worried about playing the lions. If you're green Bay, you do it twice a year and it's general, it generally goes pretty well for you. You can't be worried about playing anyone, but at the same time, like there, there's some unique challenges that this particular Lions team presents. Yeah, I and you know, my the Lions just traded away TJ Hawkinson uh, to the yep. to the Vikings, but even without Hawkinson, this the Lions have one of my favorite skill position groups. Uh, they've got a really good offensive line, and then I I think Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be a a top five, top ten wide receiver for. The next five, 10 years, I think DeAndre Swift reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones in his ability to be a great receiver out of the backfield and a terrific running back getting a bunch of carries. He hasn't been healthy this year. He's really never been healthy. Uh, but when he is healthy, he's Aaron Jonesy, Alvin Kamara-ish type of utility guy. And Jamal Williams, we know Jamal Williams. He's great. He He's he's been as good as he's ever been this year. Um, so it's a, it's a good group of uh, skill position players. They're down a few receivers, DJ Chark's out, but they've got the talent to put up some points, man. And you, yeah, they you've, do. you've got to match them. Every other team that's played them has matched them and, uh, and scored a little bit more. So now that's the Packers challenge is just score a little bit more than a team that's going to put up 25, 30, uh, no matter the night. When the Sunday broadcast came back after halftime, the the sideline like post post halftime interview with Matt Lafleur was essentially just like this team has to play more physical, and I thought they definitely played with a little bit more edge in the second half against Buffalo. Admittedly, Buffalo was up by twenty one when the second half started, but all the same, like that needs to continue. Yeah. That's my only bullet point for the Packers. I don't know how many you need to score to beat Detroit uh, this Sunday, but I know that you need to keep on playing like it, like it means something. 
you know, a football for for all of the ways that we want to like talk about. Right. I mean, I think this podcast mission is in part about taking away some of the mystique about football and for all the mystique that you want to take away. Like this is a game that you can't play in a business like fashion. Yeah, you can't. It, it, there's this is a I think football again is a game more than any other, you know, basketball, baseball, whatever. We're like the intangible of momentum and emotion and confidence all kind of are necessary just to play at a base level. You can't come in and be like, well, I got to clock in and get on out of here. Uh, you're going to get bulldozed and ran over. Uh, yeah, this, this isn't is some, like, yeah, this is not like a random like Grizzlies versus Raptors Tuesday night, 50, 50 games into the NBA season kind of, kind of thing. There are no games like that in the NFL. Hello, Fred. No. Hi, Fred. Cat will uh, join us on podcast. Hello, kitty. Uh yeah no it, that that doesn't exist it's 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 not like baseball or anything where you know one game who cares just kind of take your rest in the game no you you're gonna you're gonna get injured and you're gonna get bulldozed if you play like that in the NFL uh so they, they've they've got to they got to keep it going and you know Rogers said I think this week like in in the way that Rodgers makes declarations about the future of a season, um, you know, said something like, all it takes is one win. We just need the, we just need the momentum going again. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. This is, this is the most winnable one uh, for, for kind of a, a while. Yeah. Uh, the division they, they've got to get this. The division looks different after the trade letting trade deadline. The Packers do nothing. Uh, one of the guys, <laughs> One of the guys that the Packers were reportedly trying to acquire, Chase Claypool, goes to the Chicago Bears. Bears uh, give give up a second rounder for Chase Claypool, and so the net result of this trade, Matt, in my in my NFL analysis, is that if you're the Bears, you've just paid a high price for a very promising young NFL player who plays a skill position and plays it fairly well. That's the pro. The con is that it's Chase Claypool. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw Chase Claypool kind of attached to the Packers, and supposedly the Packers offered a second as well. The Steelers just said the Bears are going to be worse. We'll take that. Yeah, uh, that was my worst nightmare scenario. Um, Chase Claypool, kind of an exciting young, you know, physical wide receiver. He's super fast. Cool. There's a reason he's not very good in the NFL yet. It's like year three. Uh, there's a reason he's not doing anything. He's kind of consistently on the wrong page with his quarterbacks and the offense in Pittsburgh. He's he's had route issues. He's had drop issues. I've seen him. All hurt of his, these... I've seen him hurt his team through penalties, and yeah, mental he... mistakes multiple times. And I don't even watch the Steelers. Yeah, he's he's just not very good. Uh, with all the tools to be exceptional. Uh, and I don't think that uh, Aaron Rodgers or the Packers could have pulled being exceptional out of him because he's not going to get the, he wouldn't have gotten the chances. In Are the offense. Bears going to pull being exceptional out of Chase Claypool? No, 
If the literally, if this, if the wide receiver factory of the Steelers couldn't pull it out of him, nobody can. Um, and I, you know, and it's it's tough to play with Ben Roethlisberger, Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett and be good. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I just, I just, I saw a couple highlights of you know Claypool running a crosser and just kind of fading up field instead of continuing his cross. And it turning into an interception because the defender is just able to run underneath him. There's no, he's not able to block him. He's not using any kind of physicality. He's just kind of like directionlessly fading upfield on a cross route and it gets picked off. It's like, wow, if you'd run the route, you, that would have been a catch, but you're kind of, you're not, you're not using your brain. You're not, you're not thinking. Um, and that would be just a, a nightmare for Aaron Rodgers. He would throw a hissy fit about it. Yeah, they're uh, they're yeah, the Bears are gonna have an interesting situation with uh with Claypool and Fields. And it's it's a it's at least like a uh, it's a it's a fun addition. And yeah, the bear the bears the bears continue to overpay for big question marks, no matter who you put in that front office. They they yeah. seem to always want to always want to overcommit to question marks and then undercommit to guys that actually produce for them. Uh, you can maybe tell where I'm going here. Mm-hmm. Trading Roquan Smith. Uh, I mean, you get a second and a fifth for Roquan Smith. Who are you getting in the second round that's better than Roquan Smith? Nobody. Uh, there you go. There's you the answer use, to that. And you use that second round to trade for Chase Claypool mm-hmm. of all people. Uh, so you essentially traded Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool in a fifth, which if you told me that a week ago, I'd say, oh, gee, uh, oh, God, the Steelers fleeced him. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what they're doing on that. It, they, I've really liked what the Bears have been doing in terms of, like, not sending out draft picks, kind of getting as much as they can. They have a massive open cat. They have, like, $130 million in free cap space next year. Like the Bears are kind of doing a thing where they're gonna just accrue draft capital, have a bunch of free money, and build up next year. Good idea. This is shocking. Um, Roquan, you know, he's he's not the best. He's not he's not the best linebacker in the NFL, but he's been very solid. And who else are you going to get better with a second round pick and now a fifth round pick because you sent that away for Chase Claypool. Yeah, you've already, you've already said farewell to Robert Quinn. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of this seems like, from the outside, it seems like score settling. Because mm-hmm. if you really are in a, in a place where you think like the next three years with Justin Fields on a rookie deal is a good time to win, which if you're a GM, you better fucking think that. Yep. Um, sending away your uh, two playmaking linebackers in in the middle of like the first season of the new regime, it seems insane, right? That seems yeah. bad. Not a good idea. Uh, unless, unless you, you know, believe that the guy backing up Roquan Smith is as good as Roquan Smith, or you're gonna find, you're gonna be able to find some diamond in the rough that comes in and plays well. I don't, I don't love it. Um, you know what we see most often with teams with quarterbacks on a rookie deal is paying out of the nose for their defense and letting the quarterback make up for the offensive deficiencies. Yeah, I'm sure there are some like two year guarantee deals that you could have gotten Smith and Quinn on. I yeah, I I I, I just can't. I 
I like Roquan Smith a lot, and it I I don't like playing him. You know, he's good. Uh so I in that respect, I'm glad to see him with the with the Ravens out in the AFC. We won't have to deal with that uh often. Um but I'm I'm sad I, I won't be able to see him. I'm sad we won't be able to to watch him play. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think TJ Hawkinson makes the Vikings, who are already playing really well this season, makes them immediately better. Tight end was an extreme position of need there. I a little bit surprised to see the Bears dealing inside the division like that. Uh, yeah, the line the line's got a good haul for him. Yeah, yeah, um, you get the right compensation for that for a guy who's maybe been who's turned into a solid pro, but maybe a little bit underneath where they thought he was going to be when they picked him. They kind of expected Hawkinson to be a Travis Kelsey, you know, big George Kittle type. Uh, and he's been, you know, a, a top end tight end. He's been a, you know, eighth best tight end in football type of guy. And and I I guess I understand from their perspective of like, we don't want to pay him. We'll get the biggest, you know, payout we can. He doesn't, he doesn't like to run block. And, and for the Vikings, you know, they're, it's it's funny the Vikings are you know looked pretty good this year, and by like EPA and and DVOA and all these advanced statistics they're ever so slightly above the Packers. They've just been able to eke out and play kind of an easier schedule than the Packers have, and um, so it's it's you know it's it's how many of these Packers games if the Packers jumped out to a massive lead, blown the lead, lost by one score. The Vikings have won those games. They've won those one-score games. They've won the games where they've kind of faltered in the second half. They've won the games where they've struggled for a bit. Um, but I, I, I think Hawkinson immediately makes them so much more versatile uh, on offense. A- adding him in with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook—that's that's a that's a that's a really damn good skill position group. One more trade I want to talk about. I'm, I don't know if you've got others as well, but the the trade that might look might make people look like absolute geniuses this year is McCaffrey to San Francisco, because boy, he makes them a different team. Yeah, that, that's you know San Francisco's kind of existed with the Jeff Jeff Wilson tier, Jamichael Hasty, just like fifth round picks and dudes they picked up from practice squads and has made them look really good. Getting Christian McCaffrey on that team is, is now completely different. Cause if you, if, when you get Debo Samuel back and healthy and you have Christian McCaffrey who lines up where that's, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I do. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo can take this team to a super bowl again. No. Um, but, a fun fun team they'll they'll make a little a little splash over there um and it's not like that division's very good you know no, i think the seahawks are not. leading right now uh gino's been great but really i i don't trust that seahawks defense yet um and it's i you know honestly looking at the nfc i don't see any super big front runners i i think the eagles will lock up the one seed just by uh you know, going on this, they're eight and zero now. Running, going eight and zero. Um, but you know, the Steelers went eleven and zero a couple of years ago and lost in the wild card or whatever, lost in the divisional, um, because they weren't very good. It, it, it's it's, I think the Eagles are better than them, but I'm not penciling in the Eagles as the NFC 
front runner. You got to watch out for them. They're going all the way type of situation yet. So the Packers are at the Lions and then at home against the Cowboys and then against the Titans. And then you, uh, you're you at next game, you're at Philadelphia, then at Chicago versus L.A. Fortunately, you don't have – there's no more West Coast road trips in this schedule. That's that's one good thing. You have one long East Coast trip down to Miami for a Christmas Day game. And then you've got the Vikings and Lions at home to close out the schedule. If things do get a little bit better. This was the uh, this was the the real the real tough part of the schedule. I know at Philadelphia looks looks pretty tough on paper, but yeah, you know, I, I still am with you in that I'm waiting for the Eagles to really face a a challenging team this year. I I think I'm a little higher on them than you are, but at the same time, like someone's got to really give them a give them a go. But yeah, the the schedule. The travel gets a little bit better uh, playing at home against the Cowboys versus what the bears did down in Jerry world is going to help you out quite a bit because the Cowboys like to play at home. They beat the fucking hell out of the bears yeah. down there, which is always fun to watch. But uh, that Titans game is, is tough. The The Rams are, are good enough to, uh, to come in, but yeah, at Eagles, at bears, at dolphins and at lions are your final road games of the season and so hopefully yeah being able to get get home and and finish out with a uh with a favorable home schedule where you, where you see a couple of teams that you pre- definitely prefer to play at your place and the cowboys and the titans coming in and then shit the rams as well and then your division opponents at home that's it helps out for green bay i i i still i do not know what to feel about this team I'm looking for like a big picture statement here. And what I feel about the Packers this year is like, oh man, they could start reeling off wins. The defense is good enough to reel them off some wins. What is this offense doing? It's it's the same question that we've had since week one. <laughs> like, where the hell is this offense? What are they doing out there? I I I think when I watch them play, I think just immediately what jumps off is they don't have anybody that can crack the field open a little bit. Um, you know, take the top off of a defense. The defense is able to come up and try and take away those, you know, line of scrimmage level throws five yards beyond type of thing. Um, so I think Rodgers is the lowest in the league right now in average depth of target or near the bottom. Um, and I think really almost all of that comes down to Christian Watson getting hurt. I think that was a huge part of their game plan from week one. I mean, they opened the season up with a deep shot to Christian Watson. And he just annihilates Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's hardly in the picture. He's he's got five yards on it. Um and then he gets hurt and has hardly played thus far this year. And wouldn't you know it? There's they don't have a deep threat. Sammy Watkins look looks cooked. Dobbs, they're using more in a, a possession type of role, a short and intermediate role. Um Cobb's been hurt, but he can't take the top off of a defense like no, not that's not his just, job they just don't have anybody left that's fast um and Dobbs was that guy in college but they're not using him that way now and and I would assume it's just so they can try and get the ball in his hands more as a playmaker um but you know with without that role in your offense the defense is able to kind of go like eh, they don't have anything over there we'll we'll creep up a little bit and one really last made things yeah. difficult one last thing for the Packers, we've been watching them try to to pace this offensive line together. We were we were pretty harsh on on the offensive line play 
uh, a couple of episodes ago. It's gotten a little better. Yeah. Uh, Zach Tom doesn't appear to be big enough to be an NFL starting offensive lineman, but you know, they've got him in there just trying to uh, trying to fill a need right now. Dave Bakhtiari is still uh, completely un- unknown whether or not he's ever going to play again or be a consistent contributor again, but uh, I'm seeing improvement there. I was just curious if you had uh, also seen that, if if you like what you're seeing. Yeah, they haven't been bad. I mean, Josh Myers, I think, is is like a top five pass blocking center right now, like they they've been better it helps so much when david bakhtiari is in that it's silly uh i think until jenkins kind of fully recovers from the injury or maybe this is just how he'll be forever again um you know i think he's got to be playing inside he's got to be a guard uh and right tackles kind of what you figure out right now you know is that zach tom is that yash Nyman is that, you know, any number of guys you kick outside? Yeah, I've been really uh, curious about this organization's unwillingness to commit to Yash Nyman. He he's looks looked, to me like he's earned it, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, their statement is that like he hasn't played right tackle; he's only played left tackle for us. Uh, and I'm like, get him some reps in practice. Give give him a week at right tackle. If it, it's it's difficult, right? Because like. The other day they thought Bakhtiari was going to go, and he was a 90 minutes before the game scratch. And last week it was the same thing with Elton Jenkins. Uh, thought he was going to go all week, 90 minutes before the game scratch. So, you, you know, these are two guys coming off of, of knee injuries that are kind of in and out of whether they can play or not. Um, and so it's 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 tough to commit Yash to right tackle for a week, expecting Bakhtiari there, and then he might not be able to go come Saturday. And you've got to read readjust uh but uh yeah it, it i think you gotta start getting yash some work at right tackle because he looked great at left tackle last year uh and i think that was the you know the biggest mistake that the packers made in the playoffs is not playing yash at left tackle but their seven games looks looks solid they decided to play billy turner turner at left tackle they got steamrolled uh in the nfc uh against the niners um i yeah, I think you got to get Yash some run. And in that same vein, Joe Barry said the other day that about Darnell Savage's struggles as a safety, that he'd make an exceptional, you know, slot corner, nickel corner. Uh, but we don't have anybody to play safety right now. So he's going to stay there. I'm like, hey, figure that out. Play him where he's going to be good. Improve one position. Don't, um, but whatever. Yeah, again, Packers Packers always seem to be far too precious about their their personnel and their packages, mm-hmm. and and all this stuff. I mean, like, you know, find that kid who who runs down the field faster than any of you've ever seen and hits the other guy hardest, and let's see if it makes a difference. I don't know. Yeah, you know, maybe I watch too much uh, too much of a game at a at a far lower level, but it just they're they're always so precious about these things. And they're like, well, we can't run the two running backs set too much. And what if we don't have a safety? Like, you don't now. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's man, he's Savage is turning into a pumpkin in front of our eyes. Yeah, Darnell Savage went from one of the most exciting rookie safeties to, by numbers, like a bottom three safety in the league. 
Okay, you essentially are playing with one safety in Adrian Amos, who's also not been stellar this year. He's been all right. Um, yeah, put him down in the nickel. Uh, try Razul Douglas at, at safety. I, I don't know. He seems big and mean. He's big, mean. He likes to come down in, in run support. He likes to tackle, and he's he's good at making plays on the ball. Does he have the top-end speed Is like Darnell Savage? No, but – Darnell Savage isn't using that speed effectively right now. So you just you just gotta figure something out over there. All right. We have a cat determined to interrupt the podcast. Um instead of going out going through all of the games last week, I just kind of wanna wanna touch on on a few that, that caught my fancy. Baltimore defeats Tampa Bay down in Tampa Bay. I love it. Uh I I, I don't know if my my like this dislike of Tom Brady expen- extends to like you know my hope for his own personal misfortune, but it is at least somewhat funny to see him unretire and and kind of kind of lose everything in in search of of one last great season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, seems like maybe a a misinvestment. Uh, let's see, uh, Dallas beating the absolute shit out of the Chicago bears, 49, 29 in Jerry world is hilarious. I love that. Uh, new Orleans blanking the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders is kind of funny. I, I like that quite a bit. And, uh, you know what? I also like the commanders getting a one point win in, uh, in Indianapolis because boy, the Colts are fucking garbage. And the I don't, Colts are bad. I don't know that. I don't know that anyone could have predicted the Colts being absolutely terrible this year. That's really surprising. I it's, it's, it's been so hard to watch because Jonathan Taylor was electric last year and he's just been hurt. And when he's been healthy, they haven't been as effective at running the ball. And it's, it's no fun to watch. One of the best players in football last year, one of the most exciting, most fun just fall off a cliff uh, for reasons of, you know, his own health and the team around him. It's tough. Yeah. That's, that's been, uh, it's been weird watching that team. And that's, yeah, I work in Indiana. So there's a, a lot of people who are just like, man, what's wrong with the Colts? And I'm left going like, I don't know, man, uh, <laughs> they, they seem terrible, <laughs> but they, uh, they don't know what to do with quarterback. Yeah. So that is uh that, that has got to do it for uh for this week unless you have any uh any final uh notes to bring in uh, uh a little bit of a friday morning episode and uh yeah we've got we've got a, a nice proper noon game get let's get these these england games and these thursday games and these all this nonsense out of the way and like have a little football game at noon central time on a sunday against the lions that at least you know i love that feels like proper proper nfc north football I, I love a noon game. It's it's 1 p.m. over here for me now, which I don't like. I like it at noon. And I like you get the game over. It's, you know, it's three or it's four. You can take a little nap. You can then make dinner. You still got your day ahead of you. With Sunday night football, I'm just stressed the entire day long. <laughs> um, and no matter what I do, I can't get away from that. Uh, my only other note, uh, Saints beat the Raiders 24 to nothing. Um what a what a disaster of a football game. Josh McDaniels should have been fired immediately after this game, but somehow wasn't. Um uh, that guy, that guy is, I mean, no, this is surprising no one. That's the thing about no. I mean, we said it in the very first episode of bringing this podcast back is that like congratulations to Josh McDaniel. 
for successfully taking Mark Davis's money. Yeah. Because that's and, about and, the only thing you can say about that. I mean, that guy is committing a robbery. I it's one of the few um it's one of the few position coaching positions where I'm like, I, I do think that pretty much any coach could step into this and do all right. You have Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Um you should be able to score some points uh, in some way. You got the best receiver in football, a really good running back, and a decent enough quarterback. You can find a way to score. Uh, the Raiders have not. That's been just able nothing to score there. It's, this it's, whole year. Yeah, it's it's amazing how bad they've been. I've been been shocked by it. Uh, but yeah, we wish we wish Devontae Adams the best. That maybe there's <laughs> is he looking over the fine print in that contract, like how to get back to <laughs> to good football team? Is there yeah. some sort of Josh McDaniels is your coach clause in every yeah. NFL contract? You just pull it, pull the pull the string on the parachute and get out of there. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry, I feel bad for Devontae, but he's making so much money, he'll be all right. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if I feel bad for him so much as I I just feel uh. Yeah, you got to shake your head a little bit, but hopefully, hopefully, yeah, there's something, something in that contract that'll let him, uh, let him maybe get out of it before, uh, before you you get into the 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 real the real dregs of who's willing to coach that team after they fire Josh McDaniels. Yeah, you're not getting anybody good. Maybe maybe you're not getting any better. It's John Fox time in Las Vegas. <laughs> no, no. Jeff Fisher, come on down. <laughs> That's it. That's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about Packers versus the Detroit Lions. Matt, always good catching up with you, man. Yeah, great to talk to you. Until next time. Stay cheesy, baby.